0: I have a question, are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back to the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Friday episode. Guys, I really want to apologize right off the bat here because this episode is coming out so late in the day. Uh, Everything is just thrown into a tailspin this year. Uh, We're homeschooling my oldest, and so where he's doing his schoolwork is in the living room. I do we live in a small house, so our living room and dining room are connected and we don't have a lot of other space. We have a basement, but it's not super conducive to recording podcasts and so and the furnace is down there and just a bunch of noise. So he does his school in the living room, I do mine in the dining room. They're connected or I do my podcast in the dining room. And so he has been getting up. He's been very faithful in doing his schoolwork. He starts school at 7 a.m. This kid is on it. He's on fire for it. So he is starting school at 7 a.m. because he wants to try to get done by noon. And he's been doing better at that. So he's getting to his goal. He wants to be done by noon. That's one of the perks of homeschooling, right? So... He's, he's doing that and he does video school pretty much. So, uh, his videos are going, he doesn't like to do headphones. And so I don't want to force him to do headphones. I want him to learn the best way that he can. And so that means if I don't get started at 5am recording the podcast, especially the Faith Friday podcasts, they don't come out until late in the day. So this is one of those days when I I was working until 7.30 last night, worked till dark, just exhausted, leaves are coming down already here, so that's throwing my whole recording schedule into a whole nother kind of tailspin, and it's it's been rough. It's been rough to get out even two episodes a week, let alone three, and I want to do three. So I apologize for the, the scheduling mix-ups and, and just not putting out the amount of episodes that you guys are used to and that I want to put out, but I have moved out to the camper. So the podcast, not me personally, I don't, I'm not living in the camper, <laughs> but um, I move the podcast recording to the camper. I'm probably just going to leave my recording equipment out here, even though it's cold out here campers if you know anything about campers you know they're not insulated well at all so i've got a little little portable heater here that's running and uh, we're just gonna we're gonna record out here for the foreseeable future so that i can try to get these episodes out to you guys on time i try to record them when the kid after the kids go to bed at night so that i can put them out the next morning I have just been so exhausted lately. I don't know exactly why it could be this head cold that I've, that I keep fighting could be that I'm working extra hard because the leaves are falling here in Michigan. It could be the cold weather that has come in. Um, typically at night here, it gets down to 34, 35 degrees during the day. It's only beginning up to like 50 degrees. So uh, it, I don't know if that's sapping my energy, but that's really really n- neither here nor there. The whole point is I want to do better at getting these episodes out to you guys. So with all that being said, we're going to let that go. We are going to jump into Faith Friday here. Today, we are diving into Romans 9. Now, if you remember back to Romans 8, Romans 8 kind of finishes up with we are more than conquerors. Uh, and it, it, I really love Romans eight. It It's a wonderful chapter of the Bible, probably one of the best, but we're shifting gears now. Paul is shifting gears now from the more than conquerors thing. I mean, it, it kind of blends in, but you guys know Paul, as we've been going through this, he, he can kind of get disjointed in his writing a little bit and so or he's very long-winded maybe that's a better way of saying it he's very long-winded and so now he's diving into uh Israel is God's chosen people but what happened there? why why are the Gentiles not now being pulled into faith in Christ and we're gonna find that out like through chapter 9 why that is. And we're going to we're going to figure out that Israel was God's chosen people and still are. God doesn't change, but we have a new a new standard. It's not just God's chosen people anymore. Gentiles, us, non-Jews now have a way to be reconciled with Christ. So we're going to jump into that today. We're going to start with reading all of Romans 9. Uh, I would encourage you, if you're at home, to grab your Bible, read along, whatever your version might be. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible, the NASB. And so if you're using a different translation, it's actually really a good thing to have a different translation because you can kind of see the differences in the translation and maybe it will open something else up for you. So I, I view different translations as a good thing, not as a bad thing. So uh, I know there's some King James only people out there. I know there's all different kinds of people. Everybody's got their preference. I actually prefer the old 1980s version NIV But they redid the new NIV, and I I read for these podcasts. I read off of a computer screen so I can make the words really big. And I do not like the new NIV. I think they screwed with it. I think they messed it up, and I don't like it. So, anyway, if you like the new NIV, good for you. Uh, I don't. It's a personal choice. So. Let's jump into Romans chapter 9 here. Guys, it is so cold in this camper, I can actually see my breath. <laughs> so I am, I am suffering for the cause of the podcast and for Christ and for you. So, <laughs> all right, I sound like I've been smoking eight packs a day for three years with this stupid cold. I'm going to put you on pause here. I got to get another drink of coffee. All right, let's jump into it. No more waiting. Romans chapter 9. This is Paul writing, I am telling you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accused, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom belongs the adoption as sons, and the glory and the covenants, and the the giving of the law, and the temple service, and the promises, who are the fathers, and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh, who is over all, God-blessed forever. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel, nor are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants. But through Isaac your descendants will be named. That is, it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but there was Rebekah also, when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. For though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose according to his choice would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls, it was said to her, The older will serve the younger, just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. For the scriptures say to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I raised you up, to demonstrate my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. So then he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens who he desires. You will say to me then, Why does he find fault? For who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, Why did you make me like this, will it? Or, does not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience Vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory, even us, whom he also called, not from among Jews only, but also from among Gentiles. As he says also in Hosea, I will call those who are not my people, my people and her who was not beloved, beloved. And it shall be that in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea, it is the remnant that will be saved. For the Lord will execute his word on the earth, thoroughly and quickly." And just as Isaiah foretold, unless the Lord of Sabbath had left to us a posterity, we would have become like Sodom, and we would have resembled Gomorrah. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who do not pursue righteousness attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith, But Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, just as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. All right, that ends chapter 9. There were some tongue-twisty areas in there. (laughs) So, sorry for the reading mess-ups and things like that, but it is what it is. All right, let's go back to verse 1. This is Paul speaking again to the church in Rome. All right, chapter 9, verse 1. I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. So, Paul was quite connected with the Holy Spirit. I mean, Paul spent time, because Paul is considered an apostle, that means that he personally spent time with Jesus Christ. How is that possible when Jesus had been crucified before Paul was converted? How is that possible? Well, the Holy Spirit... And Jesus in the flesh came and spoke with Paul. Now, I'm not exactly sure where that's found in the Bible, uh, but I know it's there. I've, I've read it before, but I can't remember where it's at. And unfortunately, this uh, computer program does not have the you know references or whatever. So let me grab some things here. And I will be right back so that we aren't confused about any of this. Okay, so I went in and I got my NIV Bible because it has all the references and stuff. Unfortunately, I am wrong. Uh, It doesn't look like uh, Jesus in the flesh came and spent time with Paul. But it does, we do know that uh, Jesus appeared to Paul on the... um, Damascus Road and said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? So we do know that. So that's that's part of why Paul is uh, an apostle. And so he has a pretty deep connection, I would say, with the Holy Spirit. And so that's part of his testimony. It's almost like he is... Um, like someone would swear on their mother's grave, you know what I'm saying? That that's kind of what he's doing here for the Romans. And so, sorry guys, it's very tight space in here. All right, sorry, <laughs> it's it's tight in here. All right, so let's move on to verse two. Uh, so, well, let's go back and read verse one again and just clarify it again, okay? I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. So again, it's, it's kind of like saying that I swear on my grandmother's grave or something like that, that I'm not lying. I, I'm telling you the truth here. Verse 2, that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. He's very grieved for Israel. You got to remember, Paul is, he, he is Israel. I mean, he is like, he was a, a Pharisee, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was entrenched in this whole culture. I mean, he followed all the rules. He did everything right. He even persecuted the church because that's what, that's what the Israelites did because they did not feel that the church was, was right because they were God's chosen people. So Paul is a Jew of Jews, all right? He, he, is, he is Israel, <laughs> okay? Verse 3, "'For I could wish that I myself were accused,' separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul is saying here, let it be, let it be me that it's accused and separated. D- take me like, like a father with a child that's got cancer. I mean, I can't imagine, but I've heard it said many times by fathers who have a child or a wife with cancer you know saying that i just prayed to god that he would give this to me give it to me take it from them and give it to me that's what paul is saying here he wishes that he could be the accused or the accursed and separated from christ for the sake of of the people of israel but that's in his flesh Verse four, who are Israelites to whom belong? So he's saying here, according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom belong belongs the adoption of sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises. So he's saying here, the Israelites were given all this stuff. They were given all of this. They theirs is the adoption of sons and the glory and the covenants, all the covenants that God made, He made with Israel first. God gave them the law, He gave them the temple service, He gave them all sorts of promises. Verse 5: Whose are the fathers, and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh? who is over all. So he's he's kind of, this is all one run long, one one run on sentence. okay? So let me read it as a whole. for I could wish that I myself were accused, separated from Christ, For the sake of my brother and my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom belongs the adoption as sons, and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises, who are the fathers and from whom is the Christ, according to the flesh, who is over all. God blessed forever. Amen. He's saying, God has blessed Israel forever. Amen. And he's also saying here in verse 5 that Christ came from them. Christ came from Israel. So they are the most blessed people is what Paul is saying here. But there's been a separation as we as we can see by by what Paul says in verse 2 and 3. So let's keep going. Verse 6. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel. Do you get that? Not everyone that is from Israel is descended from Israel. Okay? The word of God has not failed. That's what Paul is saying here. Verse 7. Nor are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants. But through Isaac, your descendants will be named. That's a quote there. So the descendants are through Isaac. So not all of Israel is descended from Isaac. So everyone's got the Abraham promises or or whatever, but not everyone is descended from Abraham they are descended from Isaac. All right, verse 8. That is, it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. So God made the promise to Isaac. He made a promise to Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the sands of the sea. But he made a promise to Isaac that, uh, I'm trying to remember here. Let me, let me find that reference. Okay. So the reference is actually Genesis 21 verse 12, and it says, but God said to him, I think he's speaking to Abraham here. Do not be so distressed about the boy, Isaac, and your maidservant. Listen To whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. So it's through Isaac. It's not through Abraham, it's through Isaac. And so that is, that's who the promise is through. And so Abraham had a bunch of kids and not all of those kids. And their kids and their kids and their kids are descendants of the promise. All right. Verse eight. uh, That is, it is not the children of the flesh. Again, we've read this already who are children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. Verse nine, for this is the word of promise quote, at this time I will come and Sarah will have a son. Okay, we kind of read, read a little bit of this, but uh, that son was Isaac. Verse 10, And not only this, but there was Rebekah also, when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. For though the twins were not yet born, and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose, according to his choice, would stand not because of works, but because of him who calls. All right. So again, Paul is using really long run-on sentences here. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes Paul does that. We are, we're looking at the, the difference. He's showing us the difference between the flesh and the promise. Okay. Verse 12, it was said to her, the older will serve the younger, just as it is written Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. So Jacob was a son of Isaac. And so we, we, get, we get what is going on here. So there was a promise that the people of God would come through Isaac. And so Jacob is through Isaac, but God hated Esau. So his descendants are not considered part of the promise. So we see what Paul is trying to say here. It's very confusing, but we can see that not everyone, which is what Paul is trying to say here, is descendants of the promise for Israel. So not all Israel is God's chosen people. That is what Paul is saying here. All right, let's move on from that. We kind of get it now. All right, verse 14. What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. God is a God of justice. That is one of his attributes. That is why um, we, we are punished for sin, because he is a God of justice justice is part of him. He's also love, but you can't have love without justice. And so the the two go hand in hand, and there's many more attributes of God, but Paul is hitting on the justice attribute of God right now. And Paul is saying, he's he's asking a question. There is no injustice with God, is there? Because if there was injustice, that that would mean that God would be missing the mark, which would be sin, and God cannot sin. May it never be. Verse 15, For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. That's a quote, because he said that to Moses. It's up to God. It's up to God who he has mercy on and who he has compassion on. Verse 16, so then, so then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. Do you see what he said there? He just used a a quote that he said to Moses. All right. And then he says, so then it does not depend on the man who Who wills, who wills, or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. What did Moses do after the burning bush? Or I think it was before then. What did Moses do? He ran. Moses ran. (laughs) I think that's really interesting that Paul words it like that. So then it does not depend on the man who wills, he has a will to do it, or the man who is the complete opposite and runs like Moses did, but on God who has mercy. It is all up to God. It is not up to us. We have no say in the matter. It's up to God who he shows mercy to. Verse 17, For the scriptures say, to Pharaoh, quote, For this very purpose I raised you up, to demonstrate my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. So, something that we do in my family is we do a catechism. Now, this isn't the Catholic catechism, it's kind of similar, I guess, but the catechism is that we do is for kids because we're taking our kids through it. So we typically read it, you know, a couple times a, a, a week or whatever. Now, not read the whole catechism. What the catechism is, is it's a question and then it gives an answer. But we go to the scripture because it has all the scripture references. We read the scripture so that we can figure out what the Bible says about certain things. And the first one or one of the first ones in there is why were we created? Why was everything created? And the answer is, it was to bring God glory, to bring glory to God. So that's what verse 17 is saying. For the scriptures say to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. God used Pharaoh, a very evil man, to proclaim his glory throughout the whole earth. Isn't that just interesting? It's just, it's crazy how God uses people. He uses every single person. It might be in a very small way, or like with Pharaoh, it might be in a very big way. But he uses every single person, whether for good or for evil. Every single person. Some of them, like Paul, were for both. I mean, ultimately, God works everything for good, and Paul was transformed, so he did evil, then he did good it's for God's glory. Everything, all of it, it's for God's glory. Verse 18, So then, he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. So, just like Pharaoh, Paul's use of words here is so interesting. If you've read like the Exodus stories of, of the Israelites leaving uh, leaving Egypt, God hardens Pharaoh's heart, the, the Paul uses the same word here, God hardened, he hardens whom he desires. So God can have mercy or he hardens. It's for his purpose. God has a purpose and he's working that purpose out through us. So I really, I, I, I'm very intrigued by the, the use of the words here that Paul chooses. Let's keep going. Verse 19, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who resists his will? So why does God still find fault? Who who resists God's will? Who resists that? Well, let's see. Verse 20, on the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers God? Back to God? Who are you to answer? Who are you to talk back to God? We have a couple of boys, and my youngest, my goodness, he is a firecracker, and he will just talk right back to you if he's in trouble. And man, you got to hold your ground. It's everything that I can do to not smack that kid around. <laughs> sometimes not not always i mean he's he's very cute but he's also a little demon <laughs> so we we've all experienced kids like that i think verse 20 again on the contrary who are you o man who answers back to god the thing molded will not say to the molder why did you make me like this will it a lump of clay isn't going to t- talk back to the person that's molding it and saying, why'd you make me like this, idiot? That's what, that's what Paul is saying. Verse 21, or does not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? Isn't that God's right to do with, with us whatever he wills? Isn't it his right? it it really is because he's the potter. we're the clay. We don't have the right to question or to talk back to God uh, that I mean I, I have questioned God before, and I'm sure you all listening have too, but I think I think it goes deeper than what what we're seeing here. Or does not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump? One vessel for honorable use and another for common use. Verse 22, what if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? What, what if God, what if people were, were just being destructive, but yet he had patience with them? as we see all the time. We see that every single day. God is patient. Verse 23, And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. Paul's diving into another really long run-on sentence here, but God determines. He's determined already. Since he made us, whether he's going to have mercy on us or not. He's already, he's already using us. He's already got plans for us. He did. He, each person, whether you are the vilest sinner, Jeffrey Dahmer, he's a, he's, you know, since the Netflix show came out, his name has been thrown around a lot. Jeffrey Dahmer, cannot God use the evil that Jeffrey Dahmer did for his glory? Absolutely, he can. And absolutely, he did. If you know the whole Jeffrey Dahmer story, you know that in prison, Jeffrey Dahmer actually gave his life to Christ. And Jeffrey Dahmer believed that he absolutely deserved the death penalty for the actions that he did. He was very repentant. He was humbled. God got a hold of his heart. And I, I'm not going to say he is or isn't, but there could be a very real possibility that Jeffrey Dahmer could be in heaven. There could be a very real possibility that he could be in heaven. God can use evil for good, for his glory. That was a very high profile case. And Jeffrey Dahmer, if you go back and watch some of the news interviews that he did from prison, he is not ashamed to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Do you think that brought God glory? I think it did. I think God's name was out there. Now, I get it. We did not see the full embodiment of the restoration of Jeffrey Dahmer here on earth. I get that. But I believe God can reform the vilest sinner. I believe that. We have to believe that. If we're going to believe the Bible, we have to believe that. All right. Verse 23. And did he so, and he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. Verse 24. Even us whom he also called, not from among Jews only, but also from among Gentiles, Gentiles were looked down upon by the Jews as vile, gross, sinful people. God made a way for the Gentiles to be saved. Verse 25, as he says also in Hosea, I will call those who were not my people, my people. And her who was not beloved, beloved. And it shall be that in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. You see, Israel and the Jews were very proud that they were God's chosen people. They were the chosen race. They were it. They were God's people. And God had to switch it. And he had to let the Jews know that, no, I choose who my people are. I choose who I love. And that is what Paul is saying here. Verse 27, Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be like the sands of the sea, it is the remnant that will be saved what's a remnant? A remnant is a small portion. It's a remnant. It, it's it like if you go to a carpet store, you can take home a remnant. It's like a small little square or one of them like mats that you used to sit on as a kid in in your school as a little kid or take a nap on. That's a remnant. It's a small portion, a small sample of the whole. Verse 28, for the Lord will execute his word on the earth thoroughly and quickly. And just as Isaiah foretold, unless the Lord of the Sabbath had left to us a posterity, we would have become like Sodom and we would have resembled Gomorrah. Do you get what what Isaiah is saying here? And what Paul is saying here, because he's using the words of Isaiah, unless God had left a, a, a remnant, people that really truly believed in him that were of the promise, the whole earth would have become like Sodom and Gomorrah, totally depraved, absolutely totally depraved. Verse 30, what shall we say then? that Gentiles who do not pursue righteousness attain righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith. Let me read that again. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith. I would say we could say that. Verse 31, But Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. Verse 32. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. Israelites didn't get it. They didn't see it. The Israelites were trying to be righteous by works. We can't be righteous by works. It will never work. The Gentiles were pursuing righteousness through faith because they had no works. They weren't allowed in the temple. They could not perform sacrifices. They could not do those things. They could not be a part of that. They had to be, they had to try and attain righteousness fully by faith. And Israel couldn't see that they needed to have faith in Jesus they were still trying to do it by works, and they stumbled over the stumbling stone. And it says, just as it is written Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. The gospel is an offense to those who are unbelieving, it's offensive. I just listened to a a couple of podcasts. Uh, I think it was grace to you with John MacArthur, but I'm not sure it could have been Alistair Begg. Uh, but it, they were talking about how the gospel is an offense to those who don't believe to those that are in the world. It, it They cannot because of their condition, they cannot believe and That is what I'm seeing with Israel through this passage is that some of them cannot believe because of their human condition. They refuse to believe and they cannot do so. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone because faith is the stumbling stone. That's what Paul is saying here. Faith in Jesus Christ is the stumbling stone. So maybe in chapter 10, Paul will hit on how we get by the stumbling stone. I'm sure he will at some point, but that ends chapter nine. And I, I thought this one was really good. I also thought it was kind of dry. Paul spent a lot of time on God's chosen people and the Gentiles, but you have to understand who he was writing to at the time. The Romans were Gentiles but the roman church had had jews and gentiles coming together there wasn't all the jews but it was some they were sprinkled in there and so they had he had to go over this because this was a struggle in in the roman church and so it's good to know it's good to know these truths that we as gentiles that's what the Bible refers to us as, can be saved. Through faith, we attain righteousness. And so that's what this whole chapter has been about. Guys, I thank you for listening. I really hope this was helpful for you. I know it was helpful for me, and I love studying the Word of God. And I know I don't go too deep here, and that's because my knowledge isn't too deep. But as we continue on and continue on, it gets deeper. And the, the thing is, you can read the Bible every day of your entire life and not even scratch the surface of the depth of the knowledge of Jesus Christ and God that is in this book. It is impossible to exhaust the knowledge that is in this book and so that's I, I just love reading the Bible. I, I read it over and over and over again and I re, I read daily pretty much. Um, it's an off day when I don't. It, it's part of my daily routine. sometimes honestly sometimes I delay going to work like the last week or so like I I've just been into reading. The word I've been reading, uh, Peter, I've been reading first and second Peter and day after day, my, my morning starts later and later because I'm just, I'm in the word and I want to stay there. So (laughs) you have to be careful because you have to, you have to, at some point cut it off and say, okay, we, we got to get other things done, but it is so sweet to spend time in the word of God. And I'm hoping that through this podcast, it, it gives people a taste of the sweetness of the Word of God. And I hope that people listening start to pursue that on a daily basis on their own. I really do. I hope that you pursue Christ on a daily basis through His Word on your own that you would start reading the word that you would spend time in the word because that is where that is where we grow. That is the word is part of what God uses to sanctify us as believers. If we are not in the word and if we do not know who Christ is, how can we say that we have a relationship with him? And that's where, I want every listener to be. I, I want every listener to be growing in their relationship with Christ. I want every listener to to desire spending time in the Word. And and so that's why I do this podcast on a lawn care podcast of all things. Because I I want people to desire that more than lawn care. I want people to desire Jesus more than money. I want people to desire Jesus more than anything else in the world because he is greater than anything else in the world. He is the creator of the world. So often we as Christians, we, do, we pursue the created things rather than the creator and it, it it saddens me so much to see guys who profess to believe and yet they they skip out on church on Sunday to work. and they, then they 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 read one verse a day off of their little Bible app and say, that's good. That's good enough. That's good enough. But it's not. It's not reading that one little verse that's taken out of context that can be twisted to say anything you want it to say is not. It takes diligence. It takes time. It takes sacrifice to to pursue God, to pursue Christ. It takes sacrificing maybe some money. Maybe you can't get that extra job in, the extra 150 $300 job in. But isn't Christ, isn't your eternal life, your eternal salvation, much more important than that $300 job? To me, it is. To me, it is. And I hope that... Through this podcast, you listeners' passion would grow for Jesus Christ, that it would grow to learn more of him, to be sanctified by him, and to have such an awesome relationship with the creator of the world that when you die and you go to heaven, there's absolutely no change because you can walk in and say, hey buddy, how you doing? To Jesus. Because you just, you spent time with him just yesterday. Wouldn't that be the sweetest thing ever? So I think that is where I would love these episodes to take you, to to give you a desire to pursue Christ and to throw off the earthly things and pursue Christ. All right, guys, I've talked long enough I'm just pouring out my heart here. So, guys, thanks for listening so much. I really appreciate it. And as always, guys, I will see you in the next Faith Friday episode.